Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Okay, John chapter 3 and verse 3. Jesus said this in response to a question about how it is that you, how can I make it to heaven? How can I be a part of the kingdom of God? Jesus looked at him and said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. It's an important, it's an important key verse for our faith. And I want, to, I want us to spend some time talking about that today. Would you bow your heads with me one last time? Father, we just pray your blessing over the hearing and the, the reading and the preaching uh, of your word. And most importantly, God, would you help us to, to not just be hearers, but to be doers of your word as well. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to block out any distractions, any hindrances, any, uh, anything that would rise up that would try to hinder us from receiving the truth of your word today. May we receive it with clarity, with understanding, and with humility, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, let's dive in. We're in week three of a series called The Reborn Identity. The reborn identity. And we're looking at who we are in Christ. Jesus said we have to be born again. And we're learning that the foundation of who we are is determined by our relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're a believer and you want to know who you are, then you have to find out what it means to be a believer and, and in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So whatever and whomever he says we are is our reborn identity. So we've spent some time in the last couple of weeks talking about uh, what it means to be saved, what salvation is biblically, because salvation is a word that gets tossed around a lot. Uh, I'm afraid it gets tossed around a little loosely, especially in this part of the country. And it's important for us to understand what this word says about what salvation is so that we can, one, make sure that we are truly saved according to the word, and two, that we can allow that salvation to form our identity. So we've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks about what salvation is. And, and if you missed any of those messages, I'd encourage you to go back either to the YouTube channel or to our podcast or to the Facebook page, wherever it is you get content, and make sure that you understand the, the, the first two messages uh, and that'll help to fold that into the, to the third message today. Today is a message that's called, I Am Free. I am free, and I want us to spend some time talking about freedom. Freedom. So there's three passages of Scripture I want us to go to. Romans chapter 6, verse 22 is where we're going to start. Now again, if you are a note taker and you like to see all the Scripture references, which I would greatly encourage you to do, um, if you miss one or if you'd rather just listen and absorb and go back, then if you will go to uh, the YouVersion Bible app and search this event today at, at, at this church then you can save that event and you get all the notes, all the scriptures, okay? So, but do that before the end of service or it kind of disappears. So make sure you do that now. Romans chapter 6 and verse 22 says this, 
But now, will somebody say now? But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Galatians 5 and 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And then John chapter 8, Jesus says this to the people who believed in him. He said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Not just hear them and kind of mentally assent to them, but if they remain in the teachings. He said, and you will know the truth. If you remain in the teaching, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then they responded, the Jews responded, but we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone, which is hilarious, because they were like slaves to everyone. But that's what they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you'll be set free? And Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are what? Truly free or free indeed. If you grew up in in a little Baptist church I grew up in, right? So when you say, I am saved, you're also saying, I am free. I am free. And that means that we are free from sin. And I want to show you that in the Word of God. Now, last week we saw that salvation is not this quick prayer of apology to God because we feel bad about what we did, and and then we pray that prayer of apology and we just run out and just live our lives however we want to. That's not salvation biblically. Salvation is a total surrender of your body, soul, and spirit to Him. It means He is now in charge of your life. So salvation, as we saw last week, is this past present, and future proposition. And in relationship to being free from sin, we are free from the penalty of sin at justification. We, are, we will be free from the presence of sin at glorification. When we finally meet the Lord face to face, there'll be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more heartache. Won't that be a glorious day? Amen. And then, when, but while we're here on the earth, we are free from the power of sin through sanctification. We are free now from the power of sin through this process called sanctification. And the word means to be set apart. We are set apart to do good works. We are set apart to live a life that is free from the power of sin. Now, now, now not just later in the sweet by and by, but Romans in that scripture we just read says, now you are free from the power of sin. Now, for most of us, uh, our experience on earth does not match up to that platitude. And it sounds like it's some unattainable goal that we'll never achieve. And so what happens to too many believers is they just give up. And they're just like, I, I, just, I, am, I am utterly powerless to stop living the life that I've been living. That's just not the case. And I want to show it to you today in the Word of God. We are free from the power of sin. And too many of us as believers live lives 
that, that look just like the unbelievers that are around us or look just like the life that we claim Jesus set us free from. It, it, that is not okay. It's not okay. Jesus shed his blood so that we could be different, not so that we could be just like we always were or be just like everybody else. He died to set us apart. He died to, to make us like him so that we could uh, see his will be done and his work come to be accomplished on the earth. The problem is the American church has watered down the gospel and gone silent about the blood. So I want to say this unequivocally this morning. There is still power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Not just to forgive you of the sins of your past and not just to hold you over until the sweet by and by when he can get you to heaven. There is power in the blood of Jesus to help you live a life today that's free from the control of sin. He died, he shed his blood to sanctify us and to set us apart. Now, sanctification is a word that sounds like a big $10 theological word, and it is, and it's important, but I want you to understand what it is. It is simply the process of walking out the freedom that we already have in Christ. It's the process of walking out what's already been done. We'll never reach a state of sinless perfection, okay? So quit looking around at each other and trying to nitpick each other and say, nope, nope, they hadn't done, that's, that's not it. They hadn't done, oh, there was a sin. We're, we will, from time to time, slip and stumble and fall. But the Bible says clearly that we, there is a way for us to be able to walk in freedom from the power of sin in our lives. And that should be what we strive for as, as believers, Sanctification can bring us to a place of freedom where every day of our lives is not a struggle just to live a, a life, not to live a lifestyle of sin. Does that make sense? Where it takes every bit of your spiritual focus and attention just not to repeat the patterns of your past. There is a way to live free from that, and that's what I want to talk about today. So if you want to live free, from the chains and the bondage of sin in your life, then there are a few things that you're going to have to have. First of all, you're going to have to have a cooperation with freedom. A cooperation with freedom. And I want to read you a few passages of Scripture, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. I want to show you this. And, and uh, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, so he started the work, will continue his work, so that's present day, until he is finally finished. And there, it, ultimately there will be an end to that. But I want you to see that there is a work that continues in the lives of believers that God started and God plans to finish. In second chapter of Philippians, chapter 13, puts an even finer point on it. It says, for God is working in you. Do you realize that as believers, God is working in you? He says he's giving you the, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So you can't say, I, I just can't do it. I just can't change. I can't live differently. He's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Romans 8 verse 2. 
Romans 8, verse 2. Because you belong to him, the the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you, has already freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Look at verses 12 through 14, same chapter, Romans 8. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. If the sinful nature tells you what to do, you're going to die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Listen, this is great news today. Because freedom has already been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to strive for it. You are already free. It's part of your reborn identity. But what we do have to do is cooperate with it. It's already done, but we have to cooperate with it. We have to learn to walk in that. We already possess it. We just have to allow it to come out. You say, well, John, listen, I honestly love Jesus. I really do, and I want to do what's right, but I still have these desires for my old life. The Scripture tells us the Spirit of God is working in us not just to change our actions, but what did that say? To change your desires. Why? Because all lasting change starts with changed desires. If you don't change your desires, then your actions will continue to be what they've always been. When you really get serious about changing, when you really get serious about surrendering your life to Jesus, your attachment to your old life begins to make you sick. Sometimes literally make you ill. It grieves you that you still wanted those things or that you were still tempted by those things. And that is a wonderful thing. That kind of holy grief about your own desires is indication that something is beginning to change inside of you. And so I just want to encourage you, cooperate with that. Go with that. God is working in you, so just continue to cooperate with what God is doing in you. You don't have to do it by yourself. Because sanctification is part of salvation, then it is by grace through faith. You receive it. You receive it by faith. So the question is, are you going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who has all power to work in you to change your desires and your actions? Or are you going to cooperate with a sin nature that's already been defeated on the cross and and just wants to derail you from what God has for you? That's really the question. And it's a clear choice. It's a clear choice. We need to cooperate with what God is doing in our lives. He has already set us free from sin positionally. Now we need to let him do it every day in a very practical sort of way. Now, if you don't recognize what God is trying to do in you and you don't cooperate with it, what you're left with is trying to do it on your own. You're left with trying to, uh, under your own strength and under your own power, do, uh, to try to, to be good, to live right, and you will exhaust yourself. You will absolutely exhaust and frustrate yourself because you don't have the power to change that. You, you have to allow your life to change 
as an expression of love and as an expression of gratitude for who God has already made you to be. He already sees you as holy because of justification. So now you're free to allow him to make you holy. It's not that you're trying to be this holy, righteous person that you've never been. No, what you're doing is allowing the new person that God raised from the dead to come to the forefront. You're just walking in your reborn identity. So when you're saved, what does the Bible say? That Christ is in you and you are in him. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. So if you surrender all day, every day, to what the Lord is trying to do in you, then you'll start to see the person in the mirror change. Because the reality is, most of the time, we see the temptation coming, don't we? I mean, we know, we know it's coming. Even if we don't see it coming down the road, when it gets there, you realize, oh, I'm in trouble, right? This is a temptation that I'm not sure I'm strong enough to handle. So you have a choice in that moment. Are you going to surrender to your, your sin nature, or are you going to cry out for help for the, to the Spirit of God who is living in you and who is working in you to change your desires and your actions? And when you surrender to Him, not just on a global scale, not just like one big prayer like, God, I surrender my life to you, amen, but every day, every moment, if, have you not prayed one of those desperation prayers where like, oh God, I'm in trouble, help, right? He's cool with that. Because when you see it on the front end, that means your desires are changing. And that's good news. He's never going to say, oh, you got this on your own, buddy. I told you about that. He, he's never going to abandon you to that if you surrender and submit yourself to him. So the person in the mirror begins to change the more you submit to him every day. Why is that? Because freedom is a person. Freedom's not a thing. Freedom's a person whose name is Jesus. And the more you surrender yourself to Jesus, the more you are hidden with, with Christ in God, the more what happens on the outside changes. So you allow Jesus to live through you, and all those things that used to have you bound will begin to fall away. I want you to notice what, what uh, Paul said, or Jesus said in John 8. He said, if you remain in my teachings, then you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free or make you free. And part of cooperating with freedom in your life is staying faithful to the Word of God. You have to read and hear the Word of God. You can't cut yourself off from the Word and expect to be free. You can't cut yourself off from worship. You can't cut yourself off from prayer and expect to be or remain free. I've even seen people who have conquered many of the things that were in their lives when they got saved, but they got lazy and complacent through the years, and those things began to, to put them in bondage again because they quit fighting the fight. You have to stay in the Word. You have to stay in His presence. You have to stay in prayer. But the closer you get to Jesus, you get more into His Word, and more of His Word gets into you, and the more that that happens, the more that truth will make you free. Truth has power. Truth has power. And the truth will work itself out in your life. You keep putting it in. Let me say it this way. Truth creates freedom. Truth creates freedom. So you keep putting truth in. You keep getting closer to the truth, capital T, Jesus, and you will be free. 
but you have to cooperate with that freedom, okay? So how do you walk free from the power of sin in your life? Cooperate with the freedom that Jesus already provided for you through the Word and through the Spirit. Here's the second thing you need to do so you can say, I am free from the power of sin in my life. It's that you're going to have to have a community of freedom. Not just a cooperation with freedom, but a community of freedom. We're going back to John's Gospel, chapter 11. John chapter 11, Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come forth or come out. And the dead man, Lazarus, the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth, and Jesus told them, the people who had rolled away the stone, unwrap him and let him go. He's like, John, I don't get it. I don't know what it has to do with freedom. Well, this is the famous account of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And, and here's what I want you to notice. G- Lazarus was resurrected. He was resurrected because Jesus had decreed it. But he was still bound by his grave clothes. Was he free from death? Yes, because Jesus said he was. But there was still this connection that he had to the grave that limited his freedom. Now remember that positionally we've been resurrected. Sin has no power over us. But practically, too many of us are still bound by the habits and the connections to our old lifestyle. Those are our grave clothes. They're our grave clothes. Look at what Jesus said to him next, or what Jesus said next after he said, Lazarus, come forth. He told some guys who were standing there who were already alive, he told them, loose him, unwrap him, and let him go. Help a brother out is what Jesus is saying. Help him. You're standing there looking at him. Help him. Jesus did not say, Lazarus, dude, you're still bound. Take all that stuff off, man. You're making me look bad. He didn't fuss at Lazarus about it. Jesus recognized Lazarus needed help. And he looked at the people around him and said, help this man walk in the freedom that I've just commanded in his life. If you're going to walk in freedom on this earth, you need a community of freedom. You need some people around you who are committed to seeing you when you struggle and are committed to helping you get free and stay free. You need some people around you who will speak truth into your life. Some people that you'll listen to. Some people who are also either already living free or who are truly committed to living free like you are. People who will challenge you to do something different, challenge you to get free, not just try to make you feel better about living and settling for less than God's best in your life. We need a whole lot less enablers in our lives and a whole lot more empowerers in our lives. Spell that however you want to. So if we're going to walk in freedom, we have to have a community of freedom. You say, listen, John, I'm grown. I'm grown. I don't let folks tell me what to do. I don't let folks affect me. I make up my own mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Don't be fooled by those who say such foolish things. For bad company corrupts good character. 
Bad company corrupts good character. May, may I add something to make sure that you understand this? There was no expiration date on there. There's no age limit on that. Bad company corrupts good character no matter how old you are. Didn't your mama tell you that? Didn't she tell you that? You hang out with the wrong people, you're going to start doing the wrong thing? She was right, and it's in the Bible. Don't tell her that because she'll be impossible to live with after that. But, but that's the truth. You can have all the good intentions of freedom that you want to, but if you aren't in a community of people who are free, then you're going to stay in bondage. You hear what I'm saying? Jesus will have unlocked the chains of death and sin in your life, but you'll still be carrying those things around because that's what everybody else is doing around you. And how ridiculous is that? to have been unlocked from the chains, but still carrying them around. I know it's not popular to hear anymore, but you need to hear this today. There is no substitute for a community of faith, for a community of believers, for a community of freedom in your life. The bottom line is, we need church. We need a church. I'm not talking about a church that you watch and it entertains you. I'm talking about a church that you engage with and it changes you. And that's two completely different things. I know we're, we're in the midst of this pandemic. It's hard for a lot of people to get to the church. Perfectly fine. I am so glad people are able to join online. There are ways to engage with your church online and there are ways to come and sit in one of these lovely disinfected chairs and go right back out with no change in your life. So you can come and not engage, and you can stay home and engage. Do you understand? It's not about where you put your behind. <laughs> Y'all got scared for a second, didn't you? You know where that was going. It's not about where you park your backside. It's about the, the community. If you're interested in having a community of freedom, and if you are, you can find ways to do it even in the midst of a pandemic. So, but you have to connect with people who are as committed to living free as you are. Okay? Now, here's the last thing. You also need a commitment to freedom. A commitment to freedom. So a cooperation with freedom, a community of freedom, and a commitment, a personal commitment to freedom. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16. Live as people who are free. So you see, he's saying live out what's already happened. So make choices to live a life differently. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as as servants of God. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now, we're not just free from something. We're free to something. We're free to love. We're free to serve. We're free to have peace with people, but you have to be committed to freedom. There's an element of intentionality. You don't accidentally sort of stumble your way into freedom. There's an intentionality. You have to be intentionally asking God to cooperate 
with freedom. You, you have to intentionally be a part of a community of freedom. And these scriptures say, don't entangle yourself again with what you've already been set free from. Don't use your freedom as an excuse to sin. In other words, be intentional, be committed to your own freedom by intentionally making changes that you need to make in order to walk your freedom out. Be holy because God is holy and because he's made you holy. So now make decisions that reflect your commitment to that holiness. Does that make sense? That's what, that's what he's asking us to do. Look at Romans 8, chapter 5. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Uh, For you've been called to live in freedom, brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. Look at at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. I'll tell you what, let me me see Romans 12 and 2 first, and we'll come back to Philippians. Romans 12 and 2. Don't don't copy or don't conform yourself to the behavior and the customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person. That's what we're talking about. How do you do that? By changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. Think about what? Verse 8 tells us, Philippians 4 and 8. Now, brothers and sisters, one last thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable, and right, and pure, and holy, and lovely, and I got lost in that list. Think about all kinds of good stuff, all right? That's what you fix your thoughts on, and that will change you. One major way for you to become a new, sanctified person is by intentionally changing the way you think. Why? Because you can't dwell on the past if you want a different future. You can't keep thinking the way you've been thinking or you'll keep acting the way you've been acting. All right? So you have to change what you allow to occupy your mind. There are some things you just don't need in your mind. And you have to take, you have to take charge of the gate. Your brain, your mind is a gate. There are some things you just don't need to see. There are some things you just don't need to hear. There are some movies you just don't need to watch. Not because it's some sort of of rule, but because you need to guard your mind. Because once it's in there, it never leaves. Only the stuff you need leaves your mind. All the other stuff stays forever. Have you noticed that? The stuff you want to get rid of, you can't get rid of. So the only option you have is to just keep the gate closed. And I, I'm, just, I'm really just making fun because there is a way to cleanse your mind with the Word of God. The water of the washing of the Word will help you to get rid of that stuff. But your mama told you this too, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It's far easier to say, I just don't need that in my mind. I just don't need that in my ears. I don't need that in my eyes. There, there are people that you just don't need to be around. And it ain't mean, and it ain't rude, and you ain't got to be nasty about it, but you just need to be busy every time they call. Right? Why? Because these things and these people and these attitudes and these spirits will get in our heads and occupy our thoughts and keep us connected to the past instead of connected to what God is trying to do in us. 
keep us connected to the things of the world instead of the things of God. And Colossians 3 says we have to fix our minds on the things of God and not on the things of the earth. So if you ever hope to be free from the power of sin in your life, you have to intentionally change what you put in your brain and the patterns of thinking that you allow. You have to think like a believer. You have to think according to the Word of God. It makes all the difference in the world. You say, well, John, listen, this is kind of a heavy, it's kind of a heavy thing. You know, it's a heavy burden to carry, especially for people who have addictions. No, this is the best news that an addict has ever heard. To too many people tell addicts that, that yo, you'll never be free. You can never be free. Your sin will control your life for as long as you live. No, that is not what the Word says. It says now you are free from the power of sin. It does not have to control you. So stop talking about and thinking about how strong your addiction is, how strong the sin is, and start talking and thinking about how strong your God is who is mighty to save and mighty to deliver. Right? You, now, does it take work to change your habits? Does it take work to break free from those things? Absolutely. But can you be free as the old song says, from the burden of sin. Absolutely you can, because there's still power in the blood. And it starts changing, starts with changing your mind. If you are a believer, the Holy Spirit is working in you both to change your actions and to change your desires. So cooperate with that freedom. And get in community with people who believe in that freedom. And commit yourself to that freedom. And you'll be amazed at the difference it makes in your life. There's, whether it's an addiction to drugs or alcohol or cigarettes or, or pornography, whatever it is. Or if it's a dirty mind, a filthy mouth, wandering eyes, a sharp tongue, an angry disposition. Whatever it is in our in our lives that are not pleasing to God, the same rule applies. The same power applies. I want to show it to you in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. 1 John 4 and 4 says, But you belong to God, my children. You've already won a victory over these people, those people because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. So I want to put it this way. No sin around you is greater than the God within you. No sin around you is greater than the God within you. Sin's power over you has been broken legally by Jesus Christ. It cannot lay claim on us anymore. But those old habits have to be broken. Because it's one thing to get a person out of slavery it's another thing to get the slavery out of the person. There is a slave mentality that you get used to and accustomed to that you have to break out of, and that's the sanctification process. It's getting loose from the grave clothes, getting rid of the slave mentality, getting shaking off the chains that Jesus already unlocked for us. All right? Now here's one last aspect of your, of your commitment to freedom, and I want to show it to you in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, I love this chapter. Paul said, that's not what you learned about Christ since you have 
heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, and instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Did you see that progression in those verses? He said, you learned the truth since you came to Jesus. And what does the truth do? It makes you free. It produces freedom. And then what happens? He said, you let, you allow, you permit the Spirit to renew your thoughts and then put off those old actions, put off those old ways, and put on the new ones. You intentionally change your actions. Not just your thoughts, but your actions. And then the rest of that chapter, in Ephesians chapter 4 and about half of chapter 5, he starts addressing specific sins. And it's awesome. It's hilarious if you, if you read it, if you're like twisted like I am. It's really kind of funny because he says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Like that's in the Bible. If you're a thief, quit stealing. And he's talking to church people. If you're a liar, quit lying. If you're angry and verbally abusive, quit doing that. If you're a gossip, if you're a troublemaker, if you're sexually immoral, if you're greedy for money, if you're greedy for prestige, the word of the Lord, Paul, to their ears was, quit it. You have to intentionally change your actions. You can't just say, well, yeah, I still lie, but I feel bad about it now. What? <laughs> Stop. Stop doing that. Do you have to, does it start here first? Yes, but you have to allow it to work its way out. Remember the very opening verses. Don't use the freedom that you have in Christ as an excuse to sin. You can't just, you can't just say, well, I've got diplomatic immunity from the penalty of sin. That is not how that works. The whole premise of salvation is that you are free from sin so that you can go and pursue a life of righteousness, a life of wholeness with Jesus. Not to give us a get out of hell free card, so we can just go and live however we want to. And it's time the American church gets committed to freedom, not just the principle of freedom, but the reality of it. Not just positional freedom, but practical freedom. Because His blood and His Spirit gives us the power to do it. Will we stumble and fall sometimes? Absolutely. But can we use it as an excuse not to even try? Absolutely not. It is the will of God for believers to be conformed to the image of Christ. Not just saved from sin, but saved to righteousness. So when you say, I am saved, you're saying, I am free from sin. Why don't you stand with me today, please? really two different two parts of this that that I want to bring out as we as we prepare to pray first of all if you have never surrendered your life to Christ I don't mean I don't mean praying a prayer I don't mean signing a card and if you did those things as you surrendered to Christ that's great but that's not it okay surrendering your being saved is about surrendering everything you have and everything you are to him 
And so if you haven't done that, I want to invite you to do that. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. You'll never understand who you are. You'll never be able to walk that out in your life until you know who you are in Christ based on your relationship of surrender. So that's the first and most important thing. Here's the second thing. If you are a believer and you say, John, I just got to be honest with you. There's some things in my life. There's some strongholds of sin, some behaviors, some attitudes, some habits, some things that are in my life that just... They don't look like Jesus, I promise you. And I need some help. You have the help. You have the helper, capital H, on the inside. And you just need to begin to submit to him, cooperate with him, and allow him to change you. Say, John, that sounds real easy. I didn't say it was easy. I just said it was simple. And you allow his power to work itself out in your life. Okay? But you have to be humble enough to admit that there might be something in your life that's not pleasing to the Lord. But it starts with searching. So I'm going to pray. If you'd like to come to the altar and pray, you come on. The altar is never closed. I'm going to pray. You can pray with me at your seat. You can pray on Tuesday morning or Thursday afternoon. You can pray whenever you want to. But I want to challenge you, if you're a believer, to allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart today. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.